This is the Fail Fast Podcast. Stories of entrepreneurs who looked at failure in the eyes and didn't give up. With your host, the online sales master, Quinn Amorum. Welcome back, my friends. Today, we have a special guest, and I'm going to start with a question. What does Taekwondo, healing arts, and drag racing have in common? All three are absolute passions of today's guest, Laura DeFranco, and she's the owner of Brave Healer Productions, where she's built a powerful community, learning to spread their message of health and empowerment in a much bigger ways. Laura has almost three decades of expertise in holistic physical therapy. She has a third degree black belt and she has published eight books. She has a clear preference for traveling fast and being a badass, but she's also the champion of small business owners and she wants to push for their health-based practices to the next level. Welcome, Laura DeFranco. How's it going? Thank you. I love the way you say my last name. I know I only people do that right sometimes and sometimes they don't. (laughs) So thank you. Yeah. Well, I lived, uh, I'm I'm guessing this is Italian and uh, I I was in in Europe for 25 years. So I I could, I could, uh, I could hear it when you said it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Oh, it's a pleasure. So a third degree black belt in Taekwondo, correct? Yes. So that is not, that's not overnight. I know because oh, I practiced yeah. karate for, for five years and oh, man, I know there was, I was no, nowhere near close, even, uh, even the, the first black belt. So how long have you been <laughs> practicing for? Um, going on 12 years now. Oh, yeah. Wow. I started, um, you know, it's, it was, a, it's a great story. My son was about five and a half at the time. We were looking for some activity for him to do, you know, to get involved in something. And we went to watch a Taekwondo class together and we walked out and I looked down at him. And I'm like, well, what do you, what do you think? You know, are you going to do it? And he looked up at me and said, well, I'll do it if you do it, mom. Mm-hmm. And six years later, we earned our black belts together. And so he wasn't only the youngest in the school at the time at 11 when that happened. um, We were also the only mom's son team to do that. And so I wrote a book about it because it was an incredible experience. Um, And yeah, so that's the that's the story of the Taekwondo. And I I still practice um, much less than I used to. And I need to get my ass back in there Mm -hmm. and kick a little bit. But um, I I love it. I've been addicted since that very first day. (laughs) Such a a cool story. I did, uh, when I joined the karate, it was many years ago, there was also a father that joined and he had his daughter and son, and they were both younger. And all three joined, and we used to crack a lot of jokes at him. It's like, uh, I'm going to beat up your kids, right? <laughs> Although, <laughs> well, yeah. It's, you know, when it's done as a family like that, there's there's just honestly nothing better for, well, there, you know, there's a lot of positive mm-hmm. things about doing that together. And there aren't a whole lot of activities you can actually do alongside your five-and-a-half-year-old son. It's It's kind of an interesting sport in that way. Um, our our master took his program to our local YMCA, and that's how we found it. So wow. it was it was it was awesome. Yeah. And then there's another thing that you like that you enjoy that also fascinates me, and uh, <laughs> it's drag racing. Although I love any kind of racing, mm. uh, 
<laughs> so yes, I've got a good story for that one too. So this was like a bucket list thing for me. So when I was 16, you know, got the driver's license. I grew up in California and I was one of those kids like super ready. And we bought this used um, 1966 Mustang. And it was like my very first car bought wow. it for $1,000. Oh <laughs> my God. If I could still have that car today, right. It would be, who knows what it would be worth, but, um, had to give it up because it was old and, um, we couldn't afford it and we needed to, you know, do a lot of maintenance. So whatever, had to give it up. It was like the worst thing ever for me. And ever since that, I have wanted this car again. Right. Mm -hmm. And so at however old I was about, mm, I guess it was 2016. Um, I went through a divorce and the first divorce present I gave to myself was a 2016 EcoBoost shadow black Mustang. <laughs> <laughs> and I uh, modified it and raced it on the track a couple of times and just did the bucket list thing, man. It was the most awesome thing ever. Wow. That's, that's, yeah, that's very cool. Uh, I mean, being in Europe for 25 years, I was in many, many roads that have no speed limits or, <laughs> yeah. or some that had speed limits, but we knew we were not allowed to stop. So if we can't stop, you can't be pulled over. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I did a lot of drag racing back then. Let's just put it that way. Uh-huh. The uh, the not so super legal kind, right? Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, you know what's so cool around it? So Maryland International Raceway has a an event called Test and Tune. So you can bring your street car, normal car, whatever car you have, and you get to go ahead and test it. Um, you know, guys are into this. You know, women and guys. Although I was the only female on the track that day. Um, they want to test their mods out. They want to see how the car is doing, whatever. But what a great opportunity to do it legally, you know. And so you pay to come to the track to run it. And you can run it probably several times if you wanted to. I ended up doing it twice. You know, the adrenaline rush was real. And like, whoa. So... Um, you know, I'm, I'm young at heart, but I'm not that young anymore. So I, I could only take that a couple mm -hmm. of times and then I was done that day. <laughs> oh, uh, you know, I don't want to go off track here for too long, but, um, <laughs> two, two years ago, Christmas. So two years ago, right about this time, uh, my wife bought me a racing package that was 15 laps in a NASCAR Although it's not, it's not the fully loaded NASCAR. I guess they do tune them down a bit. Yes. And it was an oval track. And I actually had to go do the lessons and walk the track. You have to walk the track. I don't know. You yep. don't just drive it. And uh, yep. it was such a cool experience. And I love speed. I have a... I have a Porsche twin turbo, and of course, I cannot test it anywhere here in Canada. <laughs> but in that track, that car with the bucket seat, and it was so loud, so impressive. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. I totally, that's the best Christmas gift ever. So you can still thank your wife for that. I actually, mm -hmm. you and I have that in common. I received that as a Christmas gift one year as well. 
Yes. And I did eight laps, so I'm jealous you got 15. Yes. Um, I sat down in the, you got to climb in the window. We could talk about this yes, all day yes, long. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they climb in the window. I sat down in the seat and no one could see me. And there's no steering put, wheel when you yes, get in. It's crazy. It's crazy. Y'all need to try it. Everyone listening. You got to oh, put yes. it on your list. <laughs> there was only one tiny disappointment. Uh-oh. And it was the fact that I was inside the car and I was thinking, this is so insane. I am going so fast. I hope I don't hit the walls, right? I'm always trying not to hit the walls. And, and you don't hit the brakes while you're in the turn, all that stuff. And right. when I came out and my wife had recorded with the phone, I looked at it on the phone. And I'm like, I'm going so slow. <laughs> I, I know. I I like, <laughs> why am I going so <laughs> Yes, the perception you have inside the car. My my big disappointment is the first question they asked me when I got out. My family was like, "Well, how fast did you go?" And I said, "I don't know. I never looked down at the speedometer. Like yeah. you're so nervous, you know." <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I have no idea. It wasn't very fast, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, I I know um my I, I, the speedometer I didn't have one for for sure. I know it had <laughs> RPMs. Yes. That's probably the only thing it had. <laughs> Sounds familiar. I love it. Very good. So <laughs> before we we talk about brave healer, let's uh, explain a few things here. Can you tell us what holistic means because yeah. for the longest time I didn't know. Mm. So there could be people out there. Can you explain what is holistic? Oh, thank you for the question. You know, I branded myself as a holistic physical therapist quite a while ago, and I did that on purpose because when I figured out that, you know, you can't just come to me with your prescription for ankle sprain, and if, if I just take a look at that one part of your body, and I don't consider the entire system and how it works together, I am missing a a big piece of the boat there, right? So that in, in one way, holistic means looking at the entire system when you're thinking about the body in front of you. But I think the more important way to think about holistic is mind, body, soul. So if I also forget to ask you things like, hey, how's life? You know, if I don't know that you, a family member passed away, if I don't know you just had a big job change or a stress or something that's really affecting your mind and soul, then I'm also missing a big piece of the boat when it comes to your healing. And so those are the two ways I think about holistic when it comes to helping people. Okay, so that means all healing should or has to be holistic. It, it automatically is if mm -hmm. it's working well, because how can I separate you and expect something to work uh, completely authentically, right? Because mm -hmm. you are a mind, body, and a soul. And so if I forget pieces, if I don't integrate all of those, the, the healing will never feel complete. It'll never be as effective as it could be if I was looking at the whole big picture. These are, you know, this is how I believe about this. Mm -hmm. Yes, so th there's something there that... I always I felt for for many years, and it's the fact there was always something missing in, in just traditional medicine, where you go and you have a problem, you go see your doctor, and you come back with the exact same prescription yep. that you had when you had a toothache or or <laughs> whatever it was. And like these are the exact same pills I had before. Yeah, I don't have the same symptoms. I don't have why am I? So I, I just felt that it was uh, basically one healing fits all, and it doesn't always work that way. 
Uh, I think it hardly ever works that way. And that's probably the biggest problem with the Western medical system is that, you know, you're handing uh, people prescriptions for pills and surgeries and things that are supposed to fix them. Um, but you're not taking into consideration any of those other factors. That's a big problem. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So today you have Brave Healer and it's that, that is the name of the business or just your website? Oh, thank you. Yeah, bravehealer.com is the website, but Brave Healer Productions is the name of the business. And I started that second business. My, my first one, of course, is my physical therapy business. But what I realized is I was getting really fired up about helping fellow healthcare practitioners and healers share their message in a bigger way because, you know, we chose this profession of helping people feel better, of mm -hmm. helping people heal. And I think sometimes I feel a bigger duty to, to go for the ripple. You know, can we help more people understand what holistic means? Can we help pe more people? And so I started helping um, practitioners and healers share their message. You know, maybe they had never been on a podcast. Maybe it's time for them to write their story in a book. Mm -hmm. Maybe they need to step on a stage and really tell people what it means to heal holistically and, and, you know, start to talk to an audience. So yeah, Brave Healer Productions is, is basically that business. When, when you try to, let's say, spread the word or, or try to get other people involved, how, how are you received? Because there's, I figure there's a lot of people out there that all they want is to get that exact same pill and to go back home again right? They don't want to hear about the spirit. Is, right. Does that still happen? I mean, so people who are, so we're going back to the idea of, you know, they're coming for physical therapy, which means they're in pain somehow. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, if they're coming to me and they want the quick fix, um, that's a problem, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, um, so it's really about awareness and education. And honestly, you know, we throw around the, the term ideal client a lot these days when we build our businesses. My ideal client in my physical therapy business has a baseline, a foundation of awareness where they understand that they need to take responsibility for their own health and wellness and happiness. And I'm just the guide. So I'm going to just, you know, aim them towards something that they've maybe not heard before, aim them towards a way to take care of themselves that they've never done before. And mm -hmm. that's where the real magic happens is when the person takes responsibility, realize that they are a very powerful healing machine themselves. And if you're going to somebody else outside of you for the fix, there's always going to be a disconnect there where I don't empower somebody enough if I'm doing that. Mm -hmm. like, does that make sense? It, it does. Yes. So, uh, there's a, I'm not sure if I'm going to pronounce this correctly, but it's the Tasta based. Oh, you got it right. Yep. Oh, yes? Bethesda, okay. Maryland, yeah. Oh, yes. Maryland. All right. So <laughs> what is that? Um, Bethesda is just the town I live in in Maryland. Yeah, I'm just five, out, uh, five miles outside of D.C., of Washington, D.C. So Bethesda uh, people don't know so well. <laughs> but okay. yeah. Yeah. When I saw it, like, Bethesda based, I figured something, okay, maybe. It's like plant-based. It's some sort oh, of no, technique. Oh, no, no, no. Some magical yeah, yeah. technique. Oh, that's <laughs> oh, it's the not. brave healing. No, no, no. It's my town. <laughs> Very good. Very good. So good Laura, feedback, though. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Laura, there's uh, something that 
you have this philosophy that is uh, it fits perfectly for 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 this show and it's you like having fun with your fears how yes. does that work i love it so i had to reframe fear for myself if i was going to step on a stage hmm. if i was going to be on a podcast if i was going to write my book and let people read my journey out loud you know and so um along that journey it was about understanding that the fear and for me, it's the fear of not good enough is boring to me now. So you need to move past that. It's not really about me anymore. It's more about the person's life who might change um, as a result of me sharing my message. So I have way more fun with that feeling of fear these days. I use, I call it purpose-driven fear. And it's yeah. a different fear than like survival kind of fear. We all have that primal fear that we need, you know, to survive in the world. But these crazy fears like, oh, I'm not good enough. Oh, what if they don't like me? Oh, what if what? that's boring to me at this point. And so um, I wanted a way for people to understand their own purpose driven fear so that they could start to get over it, have a little bit more fun with it, use it as a compass mm -hmm. to really just th that shows you right where you need to go for the next step on, on your journey. So that's how I talk about that. How about, uh, Formal, the fear of missing out. Yeah. Are you affected by that? I mean, aren't we all a little bit, right? We yes. all want to be everywhere, do everything, make sure we take every course, this or that. Mm -hmm. Oh, I try really hard not to be in that mentality because sometimes that steers you away from where you're most effective doing the thing that's going to take you a little faster to your dream. You, know, you get spread out like that. And you start to grab for every shiny thing. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, yeah, it could be a problem. Yeah. I had that a couple of years ago where business-wise, I started growing faster. And I saw so many more opportunities that I wanted to jump in. And I started thinking, what if this is the next big, big thing and I'm not in it from the beginning? Uh -huh. Right, because I hate entering something that's been going for a while, even if it's still growing. But you enter in the middle, I find like, okay, now... I don't have the early stage advantage. So I tried to get into a lot of things and I started a lot of things and actually start working negative against you, right? Because yeah. now I'm more spread out. So that was my goal in 2019 was to not start something that I wasn't ready to finish. And uh, I'm still going to continue with that one. Yeah. I like that a lot. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're picking a lane where you can put your energies and your efforts and your investments. I mean, that's a lot, you know, when you put all of that into something, you start to spread yourself thin, then nothing works, you know? Yes. Um, I'm with you on that one. I, um, I feel you there. So what did what'd you learn about failure with martial arts? <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, you got to get ready to be kicked in the head once in a while, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, my, my master has a quote that says, discipline the mind, the body will follow. And failure comes into that big time because it's all about your mindset, you know, when you go in there. So, you have to very quickly re redo, redefine failure when you're in that setting. You're learning new things. You're mastering them through practice. And so, of course, practice automatically means lots of mistakes and failures. Mm -hmm. But um, what I learned, the biggest thing I learned is to 
call those something different. I call them stepping stones. And so failure really just can't exist if you expect to succeed. In your head, it can't exist. That word needs to be changed. So I like stepping stone and I step a lot faster. Like I don't let the idea of a mistake or a failure stop me too often anymore. And um, it's just a great, more, way more fun way to live too. Yes, it is. Yeah. If you live in fear, I don't know, is that even living? If, if you're afraid of doing everything, anything new. Yeah. I, I find people still that are so fearful of anything new, even if it's not something dangerous, if there's no failure associated with it. Like I know a person that has never tried ribs. Right? <laughs> so yeah. right now I, I don't eat meat, but I mean, when I did, I would try everything. Right. And <laughs> yeah. uh, why it's just so so crazy yeah that's a mentality right that you're talking about a little bit about being in your comfort zone versus your discomfort zone mm -hmm. and everything good happens in your discomfort zone everything so it's just really a matter of being used to the feeling of that and being okay with it because you know, I was talking about primal fear versus purpose-driven. Yes. They have a very, very similar sensation in your body, like you're going to die. So nobody likes to feel that way. It's very visceral. Some of us get it in our throat or our stomach or wherever we get it, right? Our legs go numb or weak. Um, it's very physical. So when you start to feel it, that it's the purpose-driven kind, you have to discern and differentiate and understand it's not that. And you have to literally move, literally move your butt through it. And that's the trick, you know? Yeah, and I know there's some people that must be wired different that actually live for the fear, you know, although, <laughs> yeah. and they, I guess at the end, if you did make it, okay, like that <laughs> sensation is so, so awesome. And even those that are not wired that way, if you do survive something that you thought, was going to put you in danger, you still get excited at the end, right, with adrenaline. Yes, definitely. I, I, I've known a couple people wired like that. You look at a lot of the, um, you know, extreme sport athletes yes. and, and race car drivers, <laughs> and um, it's like, whoa, you know, and I do have a little bit of that in me, but not 100%. Like, I also like to just have my feet on the ground and relax and, you know, get a, get a little meditation going on, too. <laughs> So, and Laura, you wrote eight books. How did you get, tell me, how did you get to start writing books? Because a lot of people want to write books. Not everybody does write them. So how did you get into writing your first? Well, I've been journaling since I was a teenager. And if you also ask my friends and family, at the time I became a physical therapist and I was in my career, I would always talk about one day I'm going to write the book. You know, I wanted it to be about healing and health and wellness. And I started blogging. And at about 2008, when I opened up my own practice, I wanted a way to educate people about all the different topics, you know. Mm -hmm. And so the writing was, that was really my first writing for others to see and read and understand. And I got excited, more and more excited about it as I shared those different things. But the Taekwondo story with my son, uh, when, the day that I realized that that was the book, and that was my very first book. I self-published it in 2012. You know, it takes a warrior to decide to write one, first of all. 
but then even a bigger warrior to actually hit publish and let the world read your story, right? Yes. Because this is a memoir type of book. So it was really me talking about who I was and what I did and all of that. Um, wow, you know, what an amazing little, I, I feel like I kicked the pebble with that book. And then the avalanche of this came after. And I just kept writing. Um, a lot of the books that I published um, are poetry. I have five books of poetry. Wow. And then the most recent book, Brave Healing, is kind of my signature book. And it's about body awareness and healing. And I use therapeutic writing techniques as tools in the book as well for the reader to kind of move along their own journey. So I, th I just thought, whoa, isn't it cool that I took that, that journaling from a very young age and the whole love of the writing and my whole healing career and all of that, and I kind of married everything together to write that most recent book. And it's been um, really, really cool. Gosh, you know, writing as a path to healing I get really passionate about helping people understand that if they start to move some of these thoughts that they're having inside to the outside, that that's the shift of energy. And it's a way to create the change that you're looking for and the healing that you're looking for. So thank you for asking, because that's something that um, I get really excited about talking about. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit of what is a brave healer? <laughs> so, you know, I call it my brave healer revolution because I kind of want to grab hands with my fellow practitioners and just say, hey, it's, you know, that fear that you're having of not good enough in terms of writing or speaking. Mm -hmm. It's boring. I said that earlier. Like, let's change more lives together. Let's get brave about being authentic and vulnerable and transparent about our own journey. So in, in hopes of helping more people, that's the brave healer. Because I was a healer for many, many years before I felt like I became the brave healer. Yes. <laughs> you know, and so, yeah, that's really the message to my, my fellow practitioners is like, you know, you can share your story and people will not run away screaming that they heard your story. It won't be too much, you know, TMI. It'll be more what draws them to you as a practitioner, makes them want to hire you, makes them want to work with you. So that's a little bit. And then since writing the eight books wasn't enough, you decided you could help others that, that also want to write them and maybe don't know how. Yes. Uh, so you, did you start the writing club or you just joined one? Um, well, I did a lot of things in the writing realm before I started the writing club, but the right habit W-R-I-T-E, is a free online writing club on Facebook that I started right at here at the new year. And yeah, like I wanted to pay this forward to people who wanted to dabble with their intuitive connection, creative connection. Maybe they were writers or kind of journalers or whatever, but they're interested in this idea of sharing the words in a bigger way, writing them, publishing them, blogging, you know, all the different kind ways we can write. Um, and it's awesome. I have an amazing group of people in there writing with me and getting excited about it. And do you find that right now, 2020, and there's still people that think that publishing a book is this huge thing that only certain people, like the 1% can do? Or do you think that a lot of people already know that with click a few buttons, you can be a self-published author? 
Yes, it, you can do this. If you're having the idea that you want to do this, you can certainly do it. And self, we, oh man, with the digital age, right? We have so mm -hmm. many resources that we didn't have before. And with um, sites like Amazon who make it very, very easy for you to come on and publish your thing and sell it to the world, like, whoa, you know, it feels like a small miracle, seriously. Mm -hmm. And I've learned a lot since publishing that very first book in 2012 to my eighth just this past year in 2019. And you want that to be um, a representation of you. It can position you as an authority and an expert, and it can help you build your business. And so there's so many ways you can use this idea of writing a book for you, for you, for your business, helping more people. Maybe people just want to get an idea of who you are. And so they pick up your book and they read these incredible stories. Maybe you've given them some tools and they realize, hey, I want to work with her further. And they're able to, it's, it's almost like a way for them to enter your world very easily, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I get I get pretty excited if uh, if people want to do that this year, they they totally should do it. And I have a lot of different things going on in the book writing realm to support people. Circling back to the holistic physical uh, therapy, normally physical therapy you can only do it in person, right? So somebody would have to be present there. When it comes to the holistic side uh and if somebody wants to deal with you they would also have to be in person there or do you have services yeah, that can be done remotely that's a great question because as a licensed physical therapist we're licensed in the state that we practice in right and that goes for all 50 states in the u.s um, i'm not sure how it is up in your neck of the woods in terms of that but people would uh, need to be in person to receive hands-on care from me. And that's mm -hmm. my business here in Bethesda, Maryland. Um, but that's actually why the Brave Healer Productions business was built because I wanted to be able to do some online workshops and different things for people who were, you know, wanting to access me, but can't, couldn't like fly to Bethesda. Mm -hmm. So yeah, for um, for us in the states, we're licensed by the state uh, to be a physical therapist, and so you have to be in person with those people. There's people do all kinds of classes and different things in the healing realm that you can access online. But I don't know how you feel about this, but we're kind of losing our ability to connect one-on-one -on -one in person with people with all of this big digital online everything right and so because i'm kind of i kind of love all of that and then i'm also realizing that people are missing touch they're missing the personal connection they're missing being in person with people and being able to read body language and feel somebody's energy you can do that to a point through zoom and then there's this there's this place where that could be deeper, you know, if it was one-on-one. -on -one. So I don't know. I'm a little, I go back and forth on this whole thing. <laughs> no, so I'm exactly like that. I love the old school, do things in person. And that's how we build, uh, build relationships is in person. And, and then at the same time, because I love technology, I also find that sometimes I, I'm like the, the, this brand new generation where Instead of a phone call, I uh, send a text, <laughs> yes. right? Uh, and I know there's a lot of people that 
I mean, the people that I'm talking about is the young kids that, that I see that cannot stand phone calls. And oh my God, ha- totally. It has, has to be through message. <laughs> yes, my, I, my own 17-year-old daughter will hang up on me when I call and text me and say, why are you calling me? <laughs> I'm like, what is wrong with you? Pick up the phone. Yeah, crazy. That's exactly <laughs> what I saw. And this was oh. my, uh, I saw with, with, with my nephew. And it was exactly the same thing. So we were together and I saw his phone start ringing and looked at him and said, why are they calling me? He hung up and he texted. Oh my gosh. (laughs) What is that? What is that problem going on? Like that's a problem, right? We need to make those kiddos understand that hearing a voice, hearing the emotion in the voice, feeling someone's vibration, their, their tone inflection, like all that stuff. Kid, you know, the kids and even the adults who are doing it, of course, because we are doing it too, you know, yes. we'll text somebody and they don't read the emotion in your text and it gets misconstrued and there's a major communication issue there. Yes, yes. Every time I find it. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, Laura, everybody, Laura DeFranco, if you want to find Laura, Laura, where do they go? Yeah, come visit bravehealer.com. And if you guys are addicted to Facebook, like I am, um, come find me on Facebook. I've got uh, Kick-Ass Warrior Goddess uh, is my business page. But also the Right Habit is the new writing club. Come join us. Okay, I'm going to put those in the show notes. And I don't have the Right Habit. Oh, cool. The W-R-I-T-E, Right Habit, a Brave Healer production. That's the name of the Facebook group. And we're doing some pretty cool things in there. We're, we're doing some writing accountability every week, and we're doing some live stream calls every month, an actual writing session. So, yeah, I would love to have you guys if you're interested. Okay, there you go. So I'll put those in the show notes, and I'll also include Laura's Instagram and LinkedIn if you guys want to connect and follow Laura. Like I will uh, as soon as we get out of here, Laura. I'm going to follow you and connect. So thank you very much. It's a pleasure having you here. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I have a feeling that you and I are going to need to talk race cars offline some of these days here. <laughs> oh, I mean, race cars and motorcycles. That's something <laughs> I I did for uh, close to 20 years was motorcycles. I even did some amateur motorcycle racing in Europe. <laughs> wow, cool. Sounds like you need to write a book. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Thank you. Laura, thank you. It was a pleasure. Thanks for subscribing to FailFast Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and visit failfastpodcast.com for show notes, Quinn's social media, or even to tell us your story.